just one recording this. Okay. I'd like to reflect with you about acceptance, love, and compassion in our meditation practice. I think of meditation, I've come to understand in my own practice uh, that in meditation I'm learning to take my seat within my own being. I'm learning to be present in myself. I'm learning to come home to myself. And so in in coming to the breath, we're coming into the body, we're coming into being present in the body, and and it's it's our first step to coming home to ourselves, to being present in ourselves rather than disconnected from ourselves. We, we tend to live our lives, so, so many of us, as if we're somehow outside ourselves looking at ourselves. You know, and we make an object of ourselves. And, and in Buddhist teaching, we talk about this as a, a self-construction. We're constructing a sense of self. And then we're, we're looking at ourselves as if we were looking through other people's eyes at ourselves and we're judging ourselves do i measure up you know am i am i good enough and we um, we we have uh, all these expectations that we're projecting you know on others and then we're asking ourselves you know well Am I living up to those expectations? Am I a success? Am I a failure? And there's always this sense of anxiety um, and um, uncertainty. And we're, and we're always in a struggle to control the image and the, the presentation that, that we're making. Uh, and, and so... So where, you know, we have all these, we may have many, many different self-constructions in different contexts. And, and, but we're, you know, when we're caught in these self-constructions, we are, uh, there, where there's always uncertainty. We're always feeling that the ground is, is moving underneath us because we're not, um, we're not really at home in ourselves uh, and present in ourselves. And, and, and moving from a sense of being centered and grounded in who we are in this moment, in our experience. Our, and and so, so this process of learning to take our seat in ourselves uh, is something, it is a process. And, and just bringing our attention in to, you know, the heart, the belly... <coughs> the body, you know, feeling the breath, feeling the sensation in the body. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really wonderful practice, and, and the body is such an ally in this practice of coming home 
to being present in the body. So, um, so in meditation, you know, first of all, learning to rest in the breath, and um, and then as our attention becomes stable, we, it's like um, uh, there's a teacher, a, 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 a Thai forest monk who. Uh, Whose name, whose name uh, is Ajahn Chah, and he was a teacher of um, uh, Ajahn Virdamo and uh, and others of those Thai for in the Thai forest tradition. If you're familiar with that, with those uh, monks, uh, I, I always, you know, I kind of they're very present with me as as uh, I'm in Perth because they're they're so close, um, and. Um, and Ajahn Chah talked about um, meditation and, and learning to be present and the mind becoming still and present in meditation like sitting next to a still forest pond. So he said, you know, you, you go to a still forest pond and of course, you know, when we come to any place in the woods all the creatures disappear because, you know, we... We tend to be noisy, and and uh, and we're you know we're not that aware of all the life around us. And then we sit, we sit by the pond, and and we become present and open, and and uh, and then so the animals may emerge from the woods because they they uh, they want to drink at the pond, and they're. You know, you're be, we're being still enough so that we're not frightening them away. And so, you know, maybe some of the bolder ones come out first, you know, sort of. Uh, so, so uh, you know, the, the more energetic ones, the bolder ones, and then maybe some of the timider ones come out, you know, shy, a little bit more frightened. And then, and then uh, he said, then maybe, maybe if you're very, very still, some of the magical creatures come out. So, um, so it's like that when we sit in meditation and we learn to be present and rest in the breath. You know, it's we begin to notice what's coming up in the mind, and we may notice that there's a lot of anger. You know, we may notice that there's a lot of fear. We may notice that there's a deep grief that's happening and um, and what we usually do you know the Buddha often would talk about the untrained um, disciple so the person who's who's just you know kind of not you know not very aware or maybe just beginning um, we usually get caught up in that mind state and we're driven by it. We're identified with it. You know, it's like, I'm angry, or I'm so sad, or I'm, I really want this. And, and so we're identifying with that state. And we're getting caught up in it, and it's right behind us. It's driving us around. And, and, and it's pushing our actions and pushing our speech. 
And so our speech becomes angry speech and our actions become angry actions. As we become aware of those energies arising within us, we, we actually can see them and we can be present to them and we can receive them, we can accept them with an attitude of love for ourselves, we can open compassionately to the pain of that anger. Anger is really, really painful. When we, when we actually turn toward the anger and we allow ourselves to feel, what is this? Bring that mindful investigation. Well, what is this? It's like, whew, that hurts. <laughs> you know, that really, it's painful. It's, um, and so, so, you know, I was talking earlier about learning to be with what is difficult, learning to be with what is unpleasant. So we give space just to receive that anger, you know, compassionately. And, and we discover something very, very important. We discover that that anger actually moves just like the sensations of, you know, pain, discomfort, tightness, soreness, whatever it, what it is, you know, so does the anger. It moves through us when we, when we don't get caught up in the story about it. When we're open to just exploring in the body, what is this? What is this? Uh, you know, what is this experience? And we, um, what often happens is that, what often is happening is that, you know, I mentioned earlier all these different self-constructions that we make. You know, so one of those is, one of those self-constructions maybe is uh, uh, being pushed or, or threatened. It's like... Um, you know, you know why? Why aren't you uh, responding to me in the way I want you to respond to me, or or why aren't you giving me what I want, or I, what I think you should be giving me? So, um, so those those patterns of reactivity are often when we have uh, when we're somehow. We have an idea of what we want to be happening, and it's not what's, what's happening. And so, rather than observing, okay, what's happening right now, and can I be with this, and how can I respond, we're reacting defensively or aggressively. So, so in this in this practice, just really talking about um, acceptance and love and compassion in meditation, it's really an intrinsic part of mindfulness practice. 
the acceptance, the love, and the compassion, it's really intrinsic to insight practice, of which mindfulness is a, a very important component. So as we, as we come home to the body, you know, like when I first started practice, it was a long time ago, it was um, 40 years ago or more, uh, and um, I, I really brought a kind of a, a striving attitude, you know, I was going to kind of really get that concentration and I was going to, you know, just meditate through pain and um, and uh, you know I've took some time but I've <laughs> become a bit wiser and uh, and so just really bringing that that quality of kindness and and actually uh, finding my motivation to practice to be uh, to to kindness toward myself that I don't want to be caught in all these, this reactivity. I, you know, I want to be more open-hearted. I want to be free to feel compassion for myself and compassion for others. And so, and so I, I, I keep coming home to being present in myself, in, my, in the breath, in presence to my emotional states, um, in presence to simply being aware. So, um, so the motivation of kindness for ourselves and also a motivation of kindness for the world So it's a kindness to ourself to rest and to release the anxiety and the drivenness. We talked a little bit about drivenness and how it's just kind of an addiction in our society to push, push, push. Um, so taking that time to rest, taking, and when we practice a in our meditation, learning to rest, then we can learn in our daily lives as we're in relationships, in communication, in doing our work, we can learn to come home and just rest in the moment when we notice that we're reacting, when we notice that anger is coming up, or when we notice that we're feeling impatient or judgmental or dismissive, um, or rejecting in any way of our experience, or that when we're when we notice that we're being driven by grasping, we can. It's a kindness to to learn that skill of just taking a space, a moment to rest. And so um, we can release that that tension, all of these states that arise moment by moment are accompanied by feelings of tension in the body and as we as we really learn to be at home in the body and uh, we're we begin to recognize the 
habitual tensions that we're holding in the body, and we are also we also can recognize the reactive tensions. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, my heart or my belly or my throat tightens up, and I know that I'm in a reactive state. And so, can I just take a moment to be present, like to kind with kindness, like, okay, dear self, body, what's going on here? And and say, oh, I'm afraid. Something about the way this person is acting or something about something I read I read or heard is just I'm tightening, I'm afraid. Okay. Can I be with that? Can I just be present? Or I'm I feel hurt. Like, oh that person just walked by and didn't even acknowledge me. I feel hurt. Can I just, kind with kindness, not say to myself, you know, oh well, they probably didn't notice you. That's not, that's just dismissing what the feeling is. So we allow the feeling to, to manifest. We're present opening our heart. So it doesn't mean that then we go into a story about it, but we just let it move through us. Give it space. Give it space to be known. Give it space to be received. You know, whether you're a parent or um, you have nieces or nephews or, or, you know, or you just been with kids, and we've all been kids, so we know that sometimes a kid comes and, you know, they something's happened, they've fallen down, they just, they're upset, uh, and all we need to do, we don't need to make a big story about it, we just need to say, uh, just give that space to be felt, the whatever it is, the upsetness, the, the fear, the confusion. And then it goes. Off they go. You know, it's, it's gone. And, and we can be that for ourselves. We can be that loving presence for ourselves. Something comes up, let it be known. Our pain, our confusion wants to be received. An experience that I've had over the course of, of my years of meditation is that discovering that I'm holding in the body, deep in the body, many places of um, hurt and pain. And, and as, I, as my body and my whole being becomes more present, open, uh, spacious, those are just letting go. And... Um, and 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 sometimes pain comes up, uh, old pain, and it can just come and move through me, and and uh, I don't need to fix it. It just moves through. So this is how we become intimate with ourselves. This mindfulness, this capacity of the mind to be present without judgment, without needing to fix, 
just being present and um, uh, and curious and interested, a caring interest. Um, and so our capacity for intimacy, intimacy in relationships, begins with our capacity to be intimate with ourselves, to be open and present and allowing ourselves to feel what we feel. And again, we tend to make stories about it. We men- tend to construct a self around it. If we can just come back to the simplicity of the presence in the body uh, without constructing a whole story about it, then um, we can see that it does move through us and uh, we can open to the discomfort of it and see that that too moves through us. And, and, and as we really deeply understand how experience is a process, a flow, and when we don't kind of construct something around it and try to make it solid, um, we we stay open and spacious and an equanimity, a capacity to be with life as it is develops within us. So it begins with We begin by just developing that stability of mind by being present in the breath. And and then as we have the capacity to be with experience as it moves, we, um, we can be open to not only the pain, but of course the joy. We can be open to the joy, the love, the generosity that comes, that moves up, moves through us. Uh, now, you know, nobody is running away from joy. <laughs> well, maybe some people do, actually. Some people do run away from joy and love because it's, uh, it's, it's not what we were trained to be open to when we were young. But uh, we tend to, most people tend to want the joy. But then that can mean trying to hold on to it. So we also need to realize that that the beautiful feelings also move through us. When we, when we can be present to what's coming up within us, uh, whether it be joyful or whether it be painful, pleasant or painful, we develop that, this capacity to be open to our whole being, to all of who we are. There's a, a term in Jungian psychology called the the shadow. So when we are open to all of who we are, we we become open to our shadow and we we recognize that the image that we have we may hold of ourselves of who we want to be or who we what we want to project um, in the world is is not fully who we are. I had an experience once when I was on a long retreat um, that was really totally mind-expanding for me. 
I, um, I was sitting in meditation, and you know, um, when we're on retreat, or even as meditation develops in our daily lives, something may, may have come up in our minds a hundred thousand times before, and, and we turned our attention away from it, or we identified with it. And then all of a sudden, we see it. We're awake to it. We see it mindfully. And we say, oh, this is... And for me, it was, this is judgment. It's like, I saw, wow, this mind is judging a lot. In fact, I was judging... I was judging how people were doing sitting meditation. I was judging how people were doing walking meditation. I was judging how people served themselves for dinner. I was judging what clothes they were wearing. I was judging so many things. And as I recognized judging, rather than identified with the judging, I saw simultaneously how painful it was. It was really, really painful to be judging. And, and part of what was so painful about it was, that's not who I thought I was. I thought I was this compassionate person. You know, here I was, I was a chaplain in a university. I'm a kind person, I'm a judging person. Self-construct, right? Self-construct, kind person. So I, uh, I, I thought, wow, judging, 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 all the time. And, and so I, w- I opened my heart, you know, to the, the judging mind. And I saw, this, you know, it's painful. It's a painful. And I, I, I went to a teacher later, and I, and I asked, I said, how did my mind become so judging? Why did this happen? And he said, it was the best you could do with what you knew at the time. And that made a lot of sense because there were things going on in my life. It was difficult. And, you know, and so I didn't have the capacity to recognize that that, the things I was, was experiencing, it wasn't because I was, you know, something wrong with me. And so I began to judge, judge others and judge myself a lot big time. And so um, so that's just the conditioning of life, experiences, upbringing. you know we, we have all these conditionings in the mind and so and so we begin to see them in meditation. And so you know our hearts just, can we, you know, can we just open our heart compassionately and recognize that's just how that's just how the mind develops. That's just how that was the best that we could do with what we knew at the time. But we don't need to always be caught in these patterns. When we see them, you know, the seeing of it is such a liberating process because when we see it, we're not in it. When we see it, when we can mindfully receive it and open to it with compassion, with kindness, we're not in it. 
we know that it's flow, it's transient, it comes through and doesn't define who we are. And we also discover it's impersonal. It's not, and it's universal. Like, my judgment, the judgment that comes up in Daryl's mind, it's not different, essentially, from the judgment that comes up in Jill's or Louise's or, or Kate's or anybody else's mind. You know, it's judgment. And so when I understand judgment here, I recognize that it's, and I can have compassion for the judgment, the anger, the grasping, the jealousy, the wanting, the feeling insufficient. You know, I can understand it because it's our shared human experience. And so, so just to finish, um, to say that as we're, you know, as we begin to recognize these patterns and we're less flooded, we're, we're, you know, the reactivity is moving through us, we're less flooded and less hooked by our habitual behaviors we begin to experience a more, more space, more spaciousness of being. And the character, the nature of that space is warmth. The nature of that space is connection. It's not an empty, void, cold, impersonal space. There's an aliveness to that space, to that awareness, to that presence. There's a connection to it. And as we learn to inhabit that space and live from that space, we begin to realize that who we truly are is not definable. All of these self-constructs, they're not who we are. They may be roles. We might be a parent. We might be a teacher. We might be um, a sister or a wife or a husband. You know, they're all things that we do, that we enter into, and and they're uh, they're engaging, and they have their um, uh, they call us forth in certain ways, but that's not who we are. Who we are can't be defined. Who we are is open. Who we are is unfolding, an unfolding mystery. And, and as we discover that in ourselves, we can also open to that in others. And so rather than relating to an other as an object or as some kind of idea of a self that we have you know projected on projecting on them can we be open to the mystery of the other and uh, and the changing nature of the other that they too are evolving each one is evolving each one is unfolding and um, and indefinable
So, so, it, so this is the compassion of an open heart, willing to feel the pain of our own and others' suffering, and at the same time, the wisdom that comes from insight gives us the equanimity to be with it and know that it's not ultimately who we are. The mystery, the open space, within love, it all is moving. Life is moving through that space. So, um, so I'd like to invite uh, any response that anyone has, uh, anything that came up for you that kind of struck you or or um, or connected with an experience perhaps uh, or that you have a question about or um, yeah anything at all that you'd like I find that it's really the, the richness of what e- uh, people you know uh, you each one of you um, the richness of, of the, the sharing is really important I think so Um, I find myself thinking about how, for me, important patience has been. Because some really difficult feelings are hard to work with, really difficult to work with. And, uh, you know, it can take years. But if you're patient, and if you just, you know, keep staying with the really difficult stuff, or from, at least in my experience, then you find ways to work with it. But it Patience, that seems. And that, that is a kind of compassion to be patient with yourself yeah. and not have unreasonable expectations. Right. Yeah, patience is such an important part of the practice, for sure. Thanks. You made me see intimacy in a very different way. Intimacy with myself. And looking, really looking at myself and accepting everything that I see. And as a condition to be very intimate with others. And it's opening up a whole world for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It's that, uh, I think it's, you know, when, when we're disconnected from the heart, you know, when we're closing the door to ourselves. It's, we really can't be truly open to the other. Yeah. There's more, like, I know the people starting out in meditation, how do you, um, how do you engage in practicing that mindfulness together? Oh, uh, like how do you learn like, and learn collectively? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Oh, there's so many, so many, many ways that uh, that people can support each other in practice, um, and uh, and and it's it's why I mean, you know, if you're talking about a relationship or a, a special friendship or a practice community, like people coming together and practicing as a community. Um, so you know, one one thing that you can do is is just. Um, as you, as we notice, relationships are so rich because we tend to our patterns tend to come up, 
you know, with the other person. And, um, and, and, and the more we feel safe and trusting, the more our deeper patterns will emerge and come up. And so, you know, if you're feeling hurt, instead of reacting with hurt, you can, you can say, you can agree that you'll be honest with sharing what the feelings are and saying, you know, I'm feeling hurt right now. Um, uh, or, or when you notice that a, a discussion is kind of escalating in intensity and it's becoming argumentative, you could, you could say, could we just take, you know, a little, a few breaths right now and come home to ourselves uh, and just, just to kind of, you know, um, allow all the the emotions to release like you know so many skillful ways that you can uh, not go down the path of you know the that those ruts that we are d- deep in our <laughs> minds of uh, reactive reactivity and you know so so if if uh, if you're both working together in practice it's it's uh, great, great. Yeah. I think there's a book by um, Stephen Levine called Awakening Together, something like that. Um, I, I know that the author is, that's who the author is, but it's, it's a book for, for couples particularly. Just uh, have noticed something today. Being, I don't often get to sit with others. In fact, I mostly sit alone in meditation every day. And the, it seems for me the quality of noticing and returning to the breath and not getting caught up is easier with others in this kind of setting than I was by myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Is there some kind of quality of the, the experience sitting with others? A lot of people find that. And um, uh, so um, it, it, there, is a, there is a support in the group. We're doing this practice. I I feel there's a kind of um, just an energetic quality. It's hard to define, but um, uh, you know, I know that brain waves. You know, when you go into meditation, your brain waves change, and maybe it's something that you know uh, creates something in in a space as well. I don't know, um, but a lot of people find that, and um, that that. Uh, Sitting together really nourishes them, and uh, and just even having the shared commitment, you know, to that we're going to be here and and we're we're going to uh, bring our attention together. I think I think it's uh, yeah, it's a support of friendship. Yeah. Other comments or questions? In 
something more skill in leaving the space to be um, with emotions, I find that there's some more, you know, there's the things where, okay, this is anger, so I, I feel the acceptance or I got softer toward my anger, but this, or the, the, the sadness. But there's those other things that I find I'm labeling very quickly when it goes into like, okay, I'm sad, but despair. Like sometimes you know there's more to the sadness and or there's more to the anger. It can even feel sometimes like, oh, is this? Oh. Yeah. And but it's like something in me backpedals from there because there's a. I think it's a fear. It's a fear to see that or to be there, or, yeah. and maybe I'm not skillful enough to, to stay with that, but that's starting to be a little bit where I, I see there's a little bit of that, yeah, shying away, pushing away, like, and I'm not in those states often, but I find sometimes it goes there, and I, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. too big. Yeah. Right, right. So, so you might, you might notice the fear, like, just, or just notice that that energetic quality of pulling back, mm-hmm. and feel that, feel that energetic quality of pulling back. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and open like open your heart, non-judging, non-judging. Yeah. You know the the space of awareness, which in which these all of these emotional states, mind states are received is um, it, it can't be overcome by these states. And uh, in there's a there's a, a discourse of the Buddha um, in which a monk uh, describes being mindful, being aware of states as like you when you throw paint up into the air the the air is not when 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 mindfulness is present when that awareness is strong and we don't get drawn into an identification you know hook we don't get hooked by it it's like there's nothing for the paint to grab onto so you know the air is not colored the air is not you know the word they use is defiled by the paint it just falls to the ground and so so just knowing that you know this quality of awareness uh, it's there's not if there's nothing to hold on to when you know when we're not getting pulled in and Making a story about it, um, but but we can be afraid. Like, oh, if I let myself feel despair, maybe I won't come out. If I let myself myself feel hate, maybe I'll get drawn into it. But you know, these it, it, they're they're just they're just uh, intense, maybe, but simply. Sensations in the body, energies, uh, uh, thoughts—you know, perhaps that 
move move through us. But you know, the the approach might be to just notice the pulling back. In, in my meta practice, my loving kindness practice, when I come to uh, somebody or something that's very challenging or difficult, and I can only go so far with the ability to forgive, yeah. then what I do is I just love myself for being able to go just that far. Yeah, that's and beautiful. Really helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's true. I mean, we can't force forgiveness and we shouldn't try to. Um, I like to uh, just say and for myself that I'm open to the possibility of forgiveness. And um, uh and just maybe just to add that something, you know, I, I recognized is that at a certain point, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, in, in seeing, just it, it was in a guided meditation that I was listening to, and in seeing how I kind of uh, was holding to not forgiving a particular person, and and I just really felt how much pain that was causing me, and and that uh, kind of shifted things. Yeah, it shifts. Yeah, when we see that, wow, the person I'm hurt, I'm not doing anything to them. It's, <laughs> it's the one who's being hurt is me by holding on to that. Yeah. Okay, so um, so uh, thank you for uh, your 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 listening, your openness, and uh, your response. I um, we're gonna have lunch now, and uh, so it's it's one thirty-five. So maybe if we could be back by two ten, uh, or be back in the hall. So. Um, it's not going to be a silent lunch, um, but some people really like this, the practice of silence. So I wonder, is it okay if people eat lunch in the hall? Yeah. yeah. So if you want to be in silence, you eat in the hall, and then if you want, there's space, you know, in the foyer outside, we can, we can be outside talking and... Uh, so, do you think there's enough space for everybody? Up and down, in the up and down. Absolutely, just wherever. Yeah, you can. We can bring a chair out. Chair out if there if there are not enough chairs to sit. Okay. So. Enjoy your lunch. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/donate.